0: sexual health how can relationships, how can relationships evolve, evolve, with evolve with people as they grow and, and change grow. welcome to the curious fox podcast for those challenging the status quo in love sex and relationships my name is
1: effie blue and i'm jacqueline misla and today we are continuing our focus on pride by talking about queer partnerships specifically queer dating we're curious what makes queer dating different than straight dating? So we decided to ask Ariella, the queer dating coach. Ariella leverages her coaching and personal dating experience to design individual coaching experiences and a date better camp to help LGBTQAI plus folks date better. She works with queer folks who find dating elusive, impossible, exhausting, and confusing to navigate the dating landscape with courage and delight.
0: Ariella is also a longtime Fox who has been engaged in the Curious Fox community for years. And we're thrilled to have her on as a guest. I'm personally thrilled to have her on a guest right now in my life because I am that person who's finding dating uh, in the queer world elusive, impossible, exhausting, (laughs) confusing, and all of the above and more right now. Yes, tell us more. It's funny that I'm revealing it all on the podcast. I was saying, no, you got I, awkward even right now. Like I can I see know, shy it Right, it is now. awkward. <laughs> no, I have a crush on a woman that I don't know where her uh, where she orientates, and mm-hmm. I am stuck in that place of being friendly and cute and and flirty with her, and it is landing as. Friendly, warm, like just wanna like be her friend, and I just can't seem to get a break and it's you know and i I don't have that much experience in doing doing this, right? I have experience in dating women who either I know for sure they're queer or or like i I know where they stand from the beginning, so i'm I'm kind of navigating a world where I'm I know what's going on and in this instance right now in my life I have no idea what I'm doing which you know when it comes to love sex and relationships there's always a ton to learn and I hold a lot of lot of knowledge in my head. So it's weird to find myself in this like, I don't know what I'm doing. Territory. <laughs> from expert to novice. Yes, yeah. exactly. Expert <laughs> to novice in a heartbeat. <laughs> and you've tried,
1: right? I think that you have like alluded to things and seen if she would out herself reveal kind of her interest and nothing yet.
0: No, it's it's kind of like I think from the outside. Looking at it, I would say it's a beautiful, budding friendship between two women who, you know, have a common way of looking at the world and, you know, have passions and interests that overlap and there's room for collaboration and we're kind of getting to know each other is what what it would look like, I think. But on the inside, one of those women wants to make out with the other woman. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's like, I don't really know how to add that part to everything else that's happening. And and because all of the other stuff is true, too, right? Like I, That's exactly how I feel about her. And that's why I like her. And I want to make out with her. And I think that's where I'm like, I don't know how to go from that to that with somebody that you don't really know where they stand. I mean, I know that ultimately at some point I'm just going to ask because I'm just going to like get bored of all the back and forth <laughs> thing and, and like all the suggestions and being cutesy. At some point I'm going to be like, hey, <laughs> so where do you stand with all this? I know where this is going, but right now I'm kind of lost.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, you mentioned that last time too, that it's the New Yorker in you. That's like, let's speed this <laughs> thing along. <laughs> what are you? What am I? going to work. If not, is I need work to know out. how to categorize uh, this in my brain yeah. and keep it moving. Yes. Yeah. I know that you have you've had sex with women. You've played with women. Have you been in relationship with a woman?
0: Yes, I have been in a relationship with women, mostly in the polyamorous structure. Like it hasn't really been like I never dated a woman when I was monogamous, I should say. But I have dated women where I've. It's hard to say I've dated, but I've definitely been in a relationship with women in the poly context that was also sexual. It wasn't just like we're metamorphs, but it was just like, oh, this is the person I'm I'm seeing right now, but like not in a solo, exclusive kind of way. Not that it makes a difference.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that you and I have talked a little bit about how it feels different to date folks of different gender identities, and so yeah, I mean, tell me more about that because I that is true for me, but that difference hasn't necessarily felt like a barrier.
0: Yes. I think that's a that's a, actually a really good distinction. I think for me, as a woman, um, dating other women, that's the experience I want to talk about right now because that's what's happening to me right now. I find it bizarre because I feel like with men there's there's like a different life experience. Like there's already a part of me they will never understand because they won't walk the, walk this earth as a woman. So there's like a disconnect and I can kind of manage my way around that disconnect and it kind of creates space. And I feel like I can hide in my womanhood, which is a part of me that they will never understand, and they will never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when I'm dating a woman, we share an experience. Like I feel so much more seen and so much more exposed I just feel Mm -hmm. vulnerable like I feel like I can't dance around them like I could dance around a, a man who doesn't ultimately like just a bunch of things that he just doesn't know right so you can Maybe I should. Maybe I should be putting this out into the world. I don't mean this in any kind of malice way. This is me retrospectively analyzing my behavior. I just feel like with the women, I feel more vulnerable because I feel like they have, like they can see through me in a ma- in a way that a man can't. It's a story that I hold mm-hmm. in, my hand, in my head. In my head, and I'm usually not talking about my experiences. This is also like an additional like layer of. I'm used talking about. Theory and what happens right, in, in psychology. Right. Now I'm like, so <laughs> I like this woman and I can't get her to take me back. <laughs> so that's like where I am right now.
1: I mean, well, I'm like, does she know who you are? Do I need to send her like your Google profile? Like, you're very interesting. I would want to go on a date with you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I she doesn't know me as like you know me. Mm. So she does definitely like that big piece of information. And you know, she has her own world and she's an expert in her own field. So I think it's just like that is also attractive to me. Like she just knows a lot about her stuff. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think she knows me that way. We we talked about what you do, but I don't think she kind of has the details on it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she would feel. I don't know. Would it be like interesting to her? or Would she like be overwhelmed or in- would she find that intimidating? I have no idea. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, and then once once the reveal does happen if she's interested and then you're in that like fun and awkward like flirty stage and like what do we do with this mm-hmm. energy stage like all of
0: that. Yeah. Ooh. So what would be really interesting is that if it, this turns out that she does end up being interested in me as her first experience with a woman, that would be kind of fascinating to me because I've never been in that position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I've always had relationships and sexual experiences with women who are way more experienced than I am yes which has being kind of like I've been leaning on that I've just been like I don't know what I'm doing and then they're like <laughs> oh, I'll show you I'm like yeah that's- <laughs> um, so that's usually how I've been rolling so this is if for some reason let's say she she's never had an experience with someone other than the opposite gender for her and she wants to kind of explore being with a woman with me and that I would be the first woman for her, that is going to be interesting because I just don't know anything about that space. Well,
1: but neither would she. So that's even better, right? There's no precedent. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so you would be sending the standard. That actually feels like the best case scenario. Because uh-huh. then she's like, oh, this is what it is. Then it just be, honestly, I think at that point, then it becomes about you. It's not necessarily about being with a woman or being like with this right. stereotype that she has in her mind. It's just now this connection that she has with you.
0: Right. And frankly... I mean, all the joking aside, that is kind of how I feel about her anyway. Like the fact that she's a woman is like, she just happens to be a woman. It's just like, there's everything else about her that I really like. Like I said, she, you know, she's an expert in her field and she, you know, talks about it with such, you know, so articulately and also with like humility and humor and um, she's warm and friendly. And from her position, she can be very... You know, th- there could be many other ways that she can be. Yet she chooses to be very accessible and mm. and warm and and willing to connect. And I'm kind of in awe of her as a human being. And I think normally when I'm in that place, it's just like, and she's beautiful. So mm. I'm like, therefore, I'm crushing on her, you know. <laughs> um, and I think the fact that she's a woman is just a consequence, really, more than anything mm. else. And it would be amazing if that if she comes to that, on her side too, if she's just like I actually like you as a person, and it's just oh look, you happen to be a woman. Let's just like figure it figure it out. Would be my ideal scenario, rather mm-hmm. than that she gets hung up on the fact that that I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. I would prefer the the former, but time will tell. <laughs> I will reveal more. On, I will reveal more. <laughs> this is like some soap opera. then <laughs> then I will reveal more, foxy listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. I mean, I think this is great
1: timing then that we're going to have this conversation with because I think you can bring all your questions. I am interested in the conversation with her because I am not dating anyone else. I have no plans to be dating anyone else. But I want to take a look back at my dating history because I think I've shared with you in the past that I don't believe that I've seen dating men and dating women as different or that I've done everything, anything differently. But that could—I don't know if that's true. (laughs) I think that could be the way that I am looking back at it, and so I want to really hear her experience and what is a distinction, if there are Mm. any, to overlay that with my experience Mm. and be like, oh yeah, I did do that different. That's true. Mm. In my own mind, I've been like, well,
0: I have—I navigated everything so smoothly. Like (laughs) that's (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. Do you not find though with women, like woman to woman? that there is that transparency that you just just can't get there with a man just because they don't walk this planet as a woman i don't know there's like something around that that makes me like that's that's where i like hit that sort of note of vulnerability that i don't i don't hit with a man mm. i don't
1: i guess that i've had that experience but to me that feels more like a connection point that hasn't necessarily made me feel vulnerable yeah, I'm trying to think. I think my vulnerability comes more with seeing my playful side or seeing me wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> or seeing me in the struggle. Like things like that I think prompt more vulnerability than seeing my understanding my experience as a woman. Mm-hmm. That to me it just feels it feels nice to be able to complain about menstruation and the person is like, right. "You know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. good to like complain about wearing a bra or like things like that. Like actually I I enjoy that having that connection.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's the avoidant part of me that likes the parts that men don't get as places of like hiding. Like I hide in the shadows of not being seen Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I seek comfort in like ultimately their parts that they won't be able to see and touch. Yeah. And then I feel like with a woman that. I think there's a part of me that avoiding a part of me is going, there's nowhere to hide. (laughs) See that?
1: All right. So that makes sense to me because I think I'm actually longing for the opposite. I think that I am actually so, so visible in the world. I wasn't going to say seen. I'm so visible in the world because of my work, either the curious Fox work Mm. or my social justice work, but I don't think I am seen. I am visible, but not seen. And Mm -hmm. I think that in my partnerships, I am desperately looking to be fully, deeply seen. Mm. And so I don't actually want there to be any hidden crevices. Like, I want to I consume and understand all of who they are and be consumed and be understood, which is mm. why I think that feels different for me.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, we almost have... Like, I feel the same. I feel visible. I'm fine to be continue to be visible. And I am also fine sometimes just not to be seen because it gives me comfort that I can, like... Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, I can be visible and not seen and then gives me comfort um, and space that I need as a mostly turtle, sometimes an octopus, sometimes some weird hybrid creature <laughs> that's taking over the world, <laughs> um, sent from space. But I think I, you know, and I think some something about a woman to woman connection What I just feel like. There is nowhere to be, uh, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Well, actually, and so
1: that, again, I think goes to the conversation that we are having with Ariella because she talks about courage and bravery as being part
0: of the dating experience. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I I can totally see that. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Yeah. So there are
1: three things that we wanted to explore specifically that we are curious about. Mm -hmm. What makes queer dating different than straight dating? What are the main concerns and common strategies that she's seen in her work? And what is one thing that we can all do to be braver in our dating lives?
0: Here, here. We hope you enjoyed the interview.
2: The thing is, queer dating and, like, quote unquote, straight dating or not queer dating isn't actually all that different. It's just that queer folks need a specific set of resources and guidance that straight people have so for example like a lot of dating coaches out there that are heteronormative a lot of their coaching and a lot of their advice is just super gendered it's super steeped in these systems of oppression that doesn't actually support queer people so it's not that like the queer dating itself is totally different it's just that the advice and the rhetoric out there wasn't made for people like us Mm -hmm. so i am hoping to kind of bridge the gap and bring like a non-gender dating advice, dating advice that is super radically inclusive and not trying to uphold any hierarchy dating advice that isn't ableist to the best of my ability, that isn't racist. So like the actual process, we'd hope would actually be, you know, similar in a lot of ways, but we just need more inclusive rhetoric.
0: hmm That makes a lot of sense, actually, because it's it resonates a lot with me because it's the work I do as well. It's relationship coaching. There's plenty of resources for heteronormative, mononormative dating and relationships. I do what I do because there just isn't enough resources out there.
2: 100%. Yeah. And, and it's also the group of people I care most about. <laughs> sure. yeah, so exactly. selfishly from like a business standpoint, I'm like, who are the people I want to be having conversations with every day? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. usually folks that fall into the LGBTQIA plus spectrum and also the people that are that are most under-resourced when it comes to dating and relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That does make sense. And I think what I love about what you're saying is as as soon as you said that, I thought to myself, you're right. All I've heard is, if you want to catch a man, this is what you do. If you want to date a woman, this is what you do. And I love what it sounds like is, if you want to have a connection with a person, this is some of the things you should do.
2: Exactly. Exactly. When I found out dating coaches existed and started to do some research on them and like some of the big names who do dating coaching, I was honestly appalled. Mm. What I found and how much of dating coaching was like how to get a man to text you back, how to hook mm. this person. And it was so disturbing and it made me so angry that I was like, wait, I love dating. I love connecting in a way that feels very gender free. How can I help other people love it too? How can I change some of the noise that's out there on what dating is and what dating looks like? So that's what I'm hoping to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love, and I totally agree with you. I think there are a few dating coaches that we follow that there's a couple of dating coaches that I follow that infuriate me. I follow them just to keep an eye (laughs) on what's going on. And I am infuriated every time I'm like on my soapbox, (laughs) just like having a whole, yeah, like infuriating. So I totally, I'm with you 100%.
2: Oh my god, the ammo! They're like I was able to create a lot of content at the beginning of my business just out of the <laughs> sheer anger of what yes. it was that I was reading. Yes,
1: yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let me ask you this question. You, so, what drew you to the work is you love dating, you love connecting with people, you love the queer community, and you're like, I want to put these things together what kind of folks have been drawn to you and your work? Like, is there a theme or pattern in the type of clients that you're working with?
2: Yeah. So exactly what you're saying. I love dating, love the queer community, love connection. And I see that a lot of other people don't feel that way. A lot of people are afraid of dating or find it exhausting or awful and really don't enjoy the process of it are super outcome oriented. So A lot of people that come to me are folks who want to learn how to date. So either they're new in the queer dating space, or they want to learn how to date better, where something isn't totally sitting right with them, or they don't feel like they're enjoying what they're doing to the extent that they could be. So people will come to me to kind of help infuse some joy into the process and help them see dating as a journey of personal growth more than uh, how to get from
1: point A to point B. Yeah, because I imagine that spills over into how to be in relationship with someone, like how you start off that experience with someone sets the tone for, for what that relationship will feel like.
2: Yeah.
1: In episode 54, we talked about kind of coming out later in life, if you will. I started dating a woman when I was in my 30s for the first time. And so I'm wondering if that's also part of the experience of are experiencing and working with folks who maybe there didn't come out during their dating period of their teens and 20s, and now are both navigating dating period as a, an adult, you know, as an older adult, maybe because they've opened up, maybe because they realize they're bisexual or queer And so, yeah, so I'm just curious if that's a part of the population because that was certainly something that I had to navigate through.
2: Totally. Right now, I'm mainly working with folks in their late 20s, early 30s. But my clients have basically ran the gamut from 20 to 40. That's like who mostly comes to me. But I'll say like even people that come out in their late 20s, like we all feel late to the game. I was listening to your last episode about like coming out later. And I think that like all of us who didn't come out like in high school or early college, in some way, a lot of us still feel like we're late. So it's kind of this false narrative that we have. So a lot of the folks that come to me who are in their late 20s, who either came out late or who had prioritized their career, and now are like, okay, I'm feeling at a place like where, where I want to meet someone and do this intentionally in a way that I enjoy. Those are the people that tend to come my way. And they still feel it sometimes,
0: you know, in their own view. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. Also, just going back to what you were saying, Jackie, that so much of it is partner choice. And I think dating, one, it's, you know, I think if you're going to do it to find a partner, you might as well enjoy the process and and not mm-hmm. for it to be an awful experience mm-hmm. and, and like hate every minute of it. And two, do it in a way that will really allow you to connect with somebody so you you make the right partner choice Yeah, because a lot of the time like by the time i'm talking to people i've heard way too many people saying i would have picked differently if i know what i know Mm -hmm. now i would have i would have picked differently you know Uh, and no hard feelings not personal it's just like they didn't have a good dating understanding of dating or the process or figuring out what they want early on in life i was gonna ask that is it that they didn't really know enough about themselves
1: too and what what it was that they were looking for?
0: Exactly. Pretty much. And then they didn't think that it was allowed or that they didn't just, they were just also, I think just weren't very good at conscious dating. Like they were, they weren't clear on what they were looking for. They're sort of just going through the process. And like you said, Ariella kind of hating it and just want it to be over.
2: Yeah, because I actually think a lot of us aren't taught how to figure out what it is that we're looking for in the first place. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's not knowing what we're looking for, maybe from a sexuality standpoint of like who we're interested in. Sure, fine. And that becomes a normal part of exploration. But beyond that sexuality journey, we're still not exactly taught what we should be aspiring to have in relationships, especially when... So many of us have not had strong relationship role models in our lives, especially not strong relationship queer role models in our lives. So I do think that there's a bit of a knowledge gap of like, how do I figure out what qualities best suit me? And how do I focus on how does I want to feel when I'm in the presence of someone that I'm connecting with Um, and allowing that to kind of guide our dating journey instead of approaching things from a more superficial standpoint or just swiping on apps and pretending that you are dating in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I cannot agree with you on the dating app part. That it is, <laughs> I feel like it is, you're kind of kidding yourself, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm dating by swiping. I just don't think it's a good way to, you know, you should definitely not have swiping as the only way that you're going to date and find people to date.
2: Yeah. I think it's like there's so many different ways to date people. And I think that you can allow dating apps to be your primary way of dating people if you're using them intentionally. Like if it's really an intentional act where you're paying attention to how you're swiping and you are initiating conversation with people in a way that allows it to be as meaningful as possible, then I think that it could be a, a way to date. You just have to be intentional and do it from a place of your own values.
1: Yeah, I I think to, to your point about values driven dating, values driven partnership exploration, knowing yourself, like that's so, such a core part of all of this that I think we put so much focus on the other person <laughs> yes. who we're trying to find who, and not enough, like, who am I? Yes. What do I want? What do I need? What does that look like? And then being really honest about that too, I imagine. I mean, Effie and I have talked about on the show how with folks they're they're tentative about talking about who they really are, that they want children. They want an open relationship, that they want to live together, that they want to live separately. Cause they're like, Oh, I don't want to scare the person away. And you're like, oh, no, no, actually, <laughs> yes. you actually should be. And now it's not about scaring them away, but you should be filtering based on those things. If, totally. if having a family is really important to you and the person who's sitting across from you in the, in the dinner table does not have that conversation early.
2: Absolutely. A huge part of my practice is centered around learning how to understand yourself and learning how to express yourself. And the mm-hmm. communication piece is really important.
0: Exactly. I want to dig into that more. I also wanted to add that we, I agree with you, Jackie, that often we end up looking for a person with a checklist of qualities that we've been told we should have in a, in a partner. And we're seeking a person and not have enough clarity around the relationship itself. Like we don't talk about the container in which we want to connect with this person. You know, I think that's what we we're about to dig deeper into. So I'd love to hear more about then how you coach people in figuring that piece out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Ariella, how do we? How can we date better? <laughs>
2: uh, well, I think that we're touching on something that's really important here, which is this kind of arbitrary list of check boxes, and that's kind of the only, I'd say, one of the main teachings we're given for like how to figure out who it is that we want is this list of check boxes that are totally. Passed down and steeped in patriarchy and misogyny and um, priorities that might not be true to who we actually are. So, a big thing that I'll do with clients is reorienting standards from this objective descriptors, reorienting them away from, you know, what does the person look like? What do they do? Towards, how is it that I want to feel in the presence of someone I'm connecting to? That's beautiful. I love that. So that's what I call feelings-based standards. And we'll get really clear on that from the beginning of what are my ideal feelings Mm -hmm. in the presence of people Mm -hmm. that I invite into my life? And how can I honor that that is enough of a standard to go with in the beginning of dating? Mm -hmm. And of course, there might be some logistics involved, like exactly like, does this person want kids? Um, Are they monogamous or non-monogamous or poly or whatever? So there might be other things that are introduced that can be written on paper. But the problem is that when we do look at a list of check boxes removed from how it is we want to feel, we wind up having something that checks all the boxes or we still don't feel the way that we want to feel. So my process is to go to feelings first.
0: I love that. Where I had landed, re- landed recently on that, which just aligns with what you're saying, which I feel very affirmed, which is is this situation allowing me to show up my, my best self?
2: Mm. Yes. Okay, so there's actually three parts to this feeling space standard. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. Which now you're like you're kind of hardening on on part two. So part one is, how is it that I want to feel in the presence of someone else? How is it that I want to feel about myself in the presence of someone else? And part three is, how do I hope others feel in my presence? Like, what is it that I aim to make space for? And the part two of like, how do I want to feel about myself, I think is really important. And the goal there becomes to start seeing ourselves that way first to really like, if we want to be, if we want to feel sexy and talented and smart, we need to figure out how to give that to ourselves, And then we'll be able to tell really quickly whether the person we're talking to sees us in that same way. It's kind of like a mirror where if they're not seeing us, we want to be seen if they're not, supporting our own vision for ourselves we'll be
0: able to tell very quickly i love that such a conscious and wise way to connect and spend that time with somebody rather than having some arbitrary conversation about what you do where did you go for your summer vacation you know like just going <laughs> in there very intentionally and sort of unearthing some of these really really important like foundational stuff for relationships
2: yeah. And I think another big reason why I try to encourage people towards feelings-based standards is because there is so much body hierarchy in our society. Our society is so fatphobic and ableist and racist in all of the ways that by really looking at who it is that we've historically been attracted to and trying to investigate like where do those attractions come from, how much of that is taught, how much of that is what we've seen, in media, when we investigate and kind of like leave that out and then just reorient on how it is we feel with someone. Do I feel turned on? Do I feel attractive around this person? We can move away from whatever mental image we've been working with towards this more sensing experience when we're in the presence of someone else.
0: I love that. I also find that approach anchors you in your body because I can... Yes. I've definitely both you know, witnessed and been in the situation where, you know, that I get tangled up in the other person so much that I abandon myself or I've been on the receiving end of that, or I've witnessed it in the the table next door where the person has kind of abandoned themselves and they're like wrapped up in the other person in so much that they're not checking in with how they're feeling.
2: Yes, for sure. I often talk about there's like two ways people usually show up on first dates. The first one is like arms crossed, like measuring the person in front of me up to the person Mm -hmm. in my head like very mm-hmm. judgmental, jaded. And the second one is like really leaning in, really wanting the person in front of me to like me mm-hmm. and wanting to impress, be impressive, be liked. And both of them aren't quite, you know, landing on this center ground, which is really showing up authentically yourself and, you know, aiming to treat someone in the way that you hope that they feel around you and sensing how it is that you feel in their presence too.
1: Yeah. I'm taking a lot of notes because yeah. I just think that there's so, what you're describing just feels so applicable beyond even this conversation in this moment. I know of a few years ago, for example, Birthdays, which my birthday is coming up, by the way. Birthdays have been historically a big deal for me and always felt a little disappointed when it wasn't like, you know, I didn't get the parade and I didn't get the big thing and realized that I was setting folks up to fail, if you will, because I was saying, these are the things that I want. Mm -hmm. And even if I got those things, maybe it didn't didn't have the experience that I wanted. And so a few years ago, I started to make that shift and say, this is how I want to feel on my birthday. Mm -hmm. And I then started to own, what about that? That is me. If I wanted to feel peacefulness, solitude, joy, like instead of putting that on other people, how am I going to manifest that for myself? How can I have an invitation to those around me who are like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, this is how I want to feel. What we do doesn't matter. This is a feeling I'm trying to get. And so I, I imagine then that that translates to the dating experience. Not only how do I want to feel with this person, but what do we want to do together? Is going mm-hmm. out to dinner going to elicit the, the feeling and the experience that I want to have? Or maybe we want to go, you know, do trapezes together or something. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm wondering if that's a part of the conversation that you're having with folks.
2: Yes. And I think that what you're saying is so interesting. Like part of the reason why I love dating is that I feel like it is such a fertile ground to learn about things in other areas of our lives. So exactly what you're saying about the birthday, totally saying that's exactly feelings-based standards, feelings-based, like leading with feelings. And I listened to y'all's last episode on the coming out later and was hearing Effie tell your story again about um, like having a corporate job that checked a lot of boxes and living life in a way that was checking boxes and yet still not feeling the way that you want to feel. So all of these kind of move through the interpersonal space and also the life space of how we're actually choosing to live.
0: Yes. No, I, I mean, how you do anything is how you do everything. And yeah. I think uh, putting certain, like tackling with some of that stuff in an area that we're actively engaged in allows us to like focus our work. And then I think from there, it generalizes, right? Once you sort of master this idea of feelings-based standards, right? That now becomes a practice of yours that you can use for choosing a career, for picking an apartment, for being, you know, all the different areas of your life. Um, because it's just a-, a good awareness to have, I think, right? Totally. So, you
1: talked about wanting first to put the list aside and to get clear with who yourself, what you want to feel in their presence about yourself, be perceived, like all of those feelings. Tell me more about what else you do in your work, because I know that a big piece of your work has also been about bravery and, and yes. kind of dating with courage. And that feels really interesting. And of course, reflecting on, on Effie's story and thinking about the courage that that is it is taking, that she has to leverage in order to continue to explore this connection. So can you talk more about that? Like I noted, also that in your work you shared that you did you used dating in the beginning almost like an experiment <laughs> that it was like you did dating immersion that you were an actor and every time you went on an audition you also went on a date and then so you were just like dating all the time as a crash course in learning and that took a tremendous amount of bravery and so I'm mean, I'm just interested in, in you exploring courage a bit.
2: Yeah. So that just for a little bit of context, like I was. Fearful about dating in the beginning, I found it fun, but there was something about it that felt scary. And same thing with auditions; it's like we're putting ourselves in these experiences to perhaps be judged for people to notice things about our character, to then have the story in our head of maybe we're not good enough. You know, it's these these experiences where where they they can feel scary. So I tried, I was like, all right, for every audition I'm going to go on, I'll try to go on a date and I will hopefully in the process make both less intimidating, make both less scary. So I think the reason why I care a lot about dating, I talk about in my messaging a lot of the time that I want folks to learn how to date better so that they have the courage to go after what they want in dating and in life in general, right? These kind of transferable skills. And I think the courage piece comes in. Because we are constantly brushing up against our edge of discomfort in dating. Constantly. Even me, like I consider myself to be a great dater. And yet I find myself in situations where I'm like, wow, I am terrified to go talk to that person right now. So I think a huge part of dating is honoring the edge of discomfort, noticing when you're feeling it, and then figuring out what skills do I have? What tools can I anger into? What values can lead me? to move through that discomfort, even a tiny bit. Like this doesn't mean going from zero to 100. It means taking a baby step in a direction that you want to move in. So I think it's just a lot of navigating bravery and trying to turn the volume up on our own courage so that we can really go after what we want.
0: I love that. I mean, I think courage, Brené Brown talks about it a lot. That's all her work is around courage. I think it's key in... Finding the right partner as well. It's like both having within the dating process, which is what you're talking about, which is to kind of like realize there's discomfort and it's scary and you do it anyway. And I think also finding a partner from a place of courage is very different than looking for a partner to feel safe. And I think that in the long term makes a huge difference. Totally. So if you can master dating with courage, the chances are you're going to find a partner as your most courageous self, which might mean that you're then picking a partner that is a partner and a collaborator, not someone that you, not someone that you're seeking safety from.
2: Totally, totally. And I think a lot of courage also comes down to our relationship with ourselves and our ability to catch ourselves after something scary happens or, you know, rely on our community or resources or therapists or whatever it is. But there is so much that stifles us when it comes to dating, so much of putting ourselves out there that feels so scary, that when we can create like fertile landing for ourselves to come back to, after a scary experience, we'll be able to move through the scary experience better, which is totally inspired by non-monogamy and what I've learned from you two, that it's a lot of, I talk about cushioning the hard part. And is that, is that a term? I can't, I can't remember where that term came from or if I made it up. Um, so I'll explain what I mean by that. Well I like it. Cushioning the hard part. I might've made it up, but I've been talking about it for so long now. Okay, so I talk about cushioning the hard part as inspired from non-monogamy as it relates to pre-date rituals and post-date rituals. When we're in relationship with someone and a lot of times folks talk about coming back to your partner if you're operating in some kind of hierarchical polyamory or non-monogamy coming back to your partner, like how it is that you'll reconnect after you go off and go on a date with someone else. In my last relationship, we also really focused on predate rituals. How will we connect before the hard thing happens? So we've kind of cushioned whatever the hard part is. And I talk about that as it relates to solo people in the dating world. Like how can you already cushion what is gonna be hard? With yourself, how can you already kind of like take care of yourself before you do the hard thing so that even if you drop a little bit, even if you were scared and it didn't go the way you had hoped, you're not dropping from your baseline to, you know, below baseline. You're like, okay, I lifted myself up. Now I might be back at baseline and I'll I'll be able to pick myself up again. So it's things like this where we can take care of ourselves preemptively so that we are able to be more courageous than we might be.
1: And are those scariest moments you find like right in the beginning? So I'm thinking again, reflecting back on Effie's story, which I think actually is a common challenge within the queer space, right? I don't know this person's orientation. So I don't know if I can, if I have the freedom to go over there and flirt, is there consent for that? Are they going to be offended? Is it going to be uncomfortable? Like what's going to happen? And so the, just the amount of bravery that it takes just to initiate that, not just conversation, but a, conversation with a flirty question mark i imagine i know from experience it takes a lot of courage so i'm wondering you know it, what you've talked to about that kind of any advice and tips that you've given around that
2: yeah um i agree the stakes feel really high in the beginning of connection i'd say like things obviously still feel scary and super vulnerable when in relationship and navigating conflict and whatnot but there is something that tends to feel like this wild roller coaster when you're first getting to know someone where people need a lot of help. So yes, that is a super common question of I don't know this person's sexual orientation, what can I do about that? I wound up like writing an ebook about it a couple months ago because there's this element of queer flagging right? Like how do we present ourselves in a way that's queer, which also is problematic because it's an exclusive way of presenting. It's not honoring some folks as much. It's, you know, honoring one type of queer look. So the, the ebook was basically about like, what is queer flagging? Like how do I recognize queer people in the wild? And why is that problematic? And how is that exclusive? And what can we do anyway? Like how do we connect anyway? So a lot of it comes down to engaging in the of interest. And paying attention to how this person's responding to you. So the first thing I would ask you, Effie, is like what is the nature of your conversation with this person like? How is she talking to you? So you can answer that if you
0: want. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is this is the ambiguous part, right? She's being friendly mm-hmm. back and she's and also we're 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 texting a lot right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like fun emojis and high fives and like cutesy. But I think this is what you know, this is what I'm saying. It's hard to distinguish from a budding friendship. So I think she's being super friendly back, and she like replies to all my messages, and you know we're, we're like we have a, a good connection. But it's unclear to me whether she sees any of it as flirting or just like a budding
2: friendship. What What would you ideally want in this situation? I
0: think, to be honest, I think I'm being impatient. I think okay. you know the truth will reveal itself, obviously, at some point. And I was saying earlier on that it will end up in a place where I will just ask her outright. Like I, I will, it'll get to a place where you're like, so like, what's your deal? And I will have that conversation with her and it will be clear. I is I am just being impatient that I just want to know where she's at. And, you know, and, and and Jackie was joking earlier. It's just the New Yorker in me. That's going, <laughs> come on, get with the program. <laughs> okay, I want to know. I,
2: I'm curious what's making you pause on having that conversation sooner.
0: For a couple of reasons. We've, We've met very recently, and Mm -hmm. we're also collaborating on a project together that makes us colleagues for the time. Totally okay, but but I mean, colleagues. Not you know, we don't have corporate jobs. We're building, um, we're building, we're actually building a village, and we're like our our hands in mud, and we're we're building things. So it's not like we're in some corporate office and there's hr and you know like <laughs> oh, we have to worry about like it's not that we are working together so i want to kind of like ease into that but we also like the nature of the work is that we work during the day and we'll you know we socialize and and sort of drink and, mm-hmm. and smoke at, you know at night so I, I think it will resolve itself it's just i'm impatient and i want to know Totally. You know, and I want to know, and then I, a part of me that also is saying like, I want to know before this crush just like wears off. And I just like wipe it You know, it's like swipe it away. Mm. Um, I kind of want to like sit with it and see it through without losing interest. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yes,
2: totally. There's two things I want to say here. First, this kind of like wild, sparky, are they interested in me? Are they not? Like this kind of energetic, like I'm sending emojis, like uh oh, she sent only one emoji, all that. <laughs> this process is so it's hysterical. Like it's hysterical and also it is so joyful. Like this kind of chaotic I want to know the answers and I don't know but it is also like when our body's experiencing so much sensation in a way that like if you wind up dating this person a couple months down the line you're like ah oh, I miss the days when I'm yeah.
0: sitting <laughs> <laughs> so
2: it's I right yeah. so like I would just say you and everyone experiencing that like allow the sensation to be mm-hmm. joyful and mm-hmm. uh, appreciate this moment because when you're no longer in the sparky uh, curiosity of it all, frustration, you know, like hunger of it all. Anticipation. And it, you know, right. And right. then it feels like mm-hmm. normal. That will become normal. So like allow this to be a good moment. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. You don't, yeah. keep, you don't crush much. And so <laughs> sit in it, <laughs> enjoy it. So
2: it's sure. No, ethno- thing i want to say here though is that there is this element of like i don't know this person's sexuality so i don't know if they're interested in me and i don't think that those two are the same necessarily Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we never know if someone's interested in us regardless of their sexuality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes i mean sometimes you can know if someone's like really overt and sharing things with words but when you're in a budding thing and when you're starting to get to know someone a Lot of times you don't know their intention unless you have a conversation about it. I would encourage you to focus less on what how this person identifies or what her sexual history is. Like as you, for example, you don't cling to an identity in this way, that she could be feeling you out in a similar way where she's not so caught up on labels and understanding her sexuality might not be true to her anyway. It might be that she has had a history of dating cis men and then that doesn't necessarily feel like what she's interested in this moment. Back to Jacqueline's, like, who am I today? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that's as important as uh, assessing if she's interested in you, period. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you don't want to have that conversation yet, totally makes sense. And I think the conversation is exactly the right thing to do to illuminate what happens next. The other thing that folks can do here is test the waters a bit, which is more like... Turning the volume up on flirting or saying a flirty thing and seeing how this is landing with her. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be crossing the, like the body space barrier. It doesn't necessarily mean touching someone else, but playing with your proximity to someone else and seeing how that lands. Mm-hmm. So, that that could be another way where you can start to deduce signals, but ultimately you were, you are a conversation based, transparent person, as am I. That what will probably wind up happening is you talking about
0: it. Yeah, no, I, think, I think so too. I think so, and I think I just want to add one one last thing, and then I want to, uh, us to sort of go into the, the rapid fire. I I totally understand, and I'm totally with you about the sort of the the body barrier, like getting into like sharing personal space. And this is like, in addition, confusing me because I'm here in a culture where people are affectionate just as a culturally affectionate totally. like the consent culture, like con- the consent culture, as we talk about it in the US is actually very hard to communicate here. You know, people hug and kiss at an introduction like Corona was like COVID was a huge deal because you shake hands and kiss like, you know, like places in Europe at intro people you don't know at all times you know so especially women and are are very affectionate with each other physically affectionate with each other which makes it like extra confusing for me right because like in the u.s culture especially in our communities consent is a big thing so by the time you're asking consent you're kind of navigating some of the stuff but here you're like oh we're hugging but like what kind of hugging are we hugging so (laughs) anyway i think i agree with you that at some point it's going to be a conversation
2: Yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, and it can be really hard to tell, especially if you're also building things together in people's hands or in different, you know, like you might you might all be on top of each other in a in a type of way. So that might be difficult to assess. The only thing I would say to that is that, like, you know, that there's like the hum. Yeah. I don't want to explain this, but like, no, I hear hum, you. Yeah, the hum, the buzz of sexual tension, and perhaps in this case, that might look more like. If you're sitting next to her, like sitting a little bit closer or engaging for a longer amount of time or holding eye contact a little bit longer to like these things where you can try to feel out, like, is there a hum of something moving between us or Mm -hmm. does it feel like it's kind of like, like the air is like falling, um, Mm -hmm. which is Mm so nuanced and hard to, it, it could be hard for someone to distinguish. That's not something I necessarily get into coaching, especially like, In the beginning stages, but I feel like for Mm -hmm. you, this someone that's had a lot of experience relating to people and having intimacy, you you might be able to sense more than you're giving yourself credit for, or you might be able to figure out ways to set yourself up to be sensing more.
0: I love that. I am putting that on my agenda.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I, I heard one thing on a podcast I did recently coming out pod. And one of the hosts was talking about this little trick that she used to do when she was dating, where if you're sitting in a circle of people and then someone leaves to go to the bathroom, you enter your chair a little bit closer to where that person's chair was, and you assess whether they move their chair away from you. Oh, nice! Which I thought was so funny, but that would be an ele- That would be an example of like, okay, chairs one inch apart, or you know, let's say chairs five inches apart. It's like normal friend territory. Our chair is three inches apart. Mm. Does that, does that allow a buzz to happen here? So that might be something to play with too. And it can't be like too awkwardly close where someone's like, did you move your chair on top of mine? <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, you want to sell my lap now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: I
2: haven't tried that, but I heard it and I was like, that's funny. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, so.
0: yeah I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this and I will, <laughs> I will be, su- I'll be sure to report back to everybody. So. Perfect. I think the two biggest
1: takeaways that I had from this conversation, and I think it translates to what you're talking to right now with Effie is, this idea of feelings-based standards. And so, you know, Effie kind of, instead of the like labeling, what is she, what isn't she? Just like, Mm -hmm. how do you feel around her? Mm -hmm. What do you want her to feel around you? And how are you creating that experience? And then love this language about honoring the edge of discomfort. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you are on that edge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I am (laughs) firmly hanging off that edge
0: right now. Totally.
1: Um, We would love to, first of all, we would love to continue to talk to you forever. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. So, But you will be taking over Instagram for yes. Curious Fox at the end of the month, June 23rd through the 30th. And you and I are going to be doing an Instagram live on Wednesday 23rd. And so we can talk more about all of this then. And so people want more of Ariella, which of course that you do, then in the show notes and at the end of the show, we'll give you uh, opportunities for you to be able to connect with her. But we want to ask you four rapid fire questions before we end our time with you, because we are very curious about you. And so the first is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love,
0: sex or relationships?
2: Honor your feelings. (laughs) I think that would probably be it. That's
0: perfect. What is one romantic or sexual adventure on your bucket list?
2: Absolutely to have an orgy. Probably one that I host. The person I'm seeing now has hosted a few and my parents just saw like counts. So I'm like, how do
1: I set this up? Nice. <laughs> I love it. Make sure everybody gets a copy of Effie's Play Party Etiquette beforehand. As Absolutely. The orientation to the mm-hmm. orgy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question. Next question is, how do you challenge the status quo?
2: I question everything. So much so that like I'm in talks with the person I'm seeing now about a relationship and I'm like, we would need to figure out what the function of the relationship would be, what the purpose of the relationship would be, what the goals of the relationship would be. Um, I question a lot of societal norms and like really probably too too much so that I like to go through everything with a fine tooth comb and make sure it is truly born out of my authentic self and not me going along with Mm. what we've been taught
0: love that yes that's the way to be that's the way to be <laughs> okay um last but definitely not least what are you curious about lately
2: i do that relationship piece actually i think that this is probably the first time in my life i've really felt like future feelings about a person and yet i'm like really sitting with the questions of like what makes us relationship and what is the what is the purpose? And that's like what I'm currently noodling on a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us. It has been a joy talking to you. It's been super interesting. I have a page full of notes. I'm not even dating and I <laughs> am taking feverish notes because it feels to your point. I feel like these are transferable skills that this is not just about dating. This is about how we show up in the world, how we get to know ourselves, how we yes. prioritize the experiences that we want to have, how we live in discomfort, how we you know find courage and bravery. Love mm-hmm. all those things. Love that you're going to be taking over at the end of the month to help round off pride for us. And really excited about our Instagram live together and and chatting more with you.
2: Yes, I'm so excited. And if there's a way that folks can ask questions after this that I can answer my week taking over, um, I'm not sure if we can set them up, set that up somehow or folks can always send me a DM and say like this is from Curious Fox or
1: Yeah, we'll do some we'll do some inquiry on Instagram and we'll we'll get your questions from the audience and set us up for for some QA.
2: Perfect. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Thank
0: you, Ariella. Thanks so much.
1: To learn more about Ariella, follow her on social media at Queer Dating Coach or on her website, queerdatingcoach.com. ariella's will also be doing a Curious Fox Instagram Takeover from June 23rd to June 30th to help us round off and end pride with a bang. So be sure to follow us at WeareCuriousFoxes.com to participate in her June 23rd Instagram Live and to get a daily dose of her queer dating tips. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by rating the show and leaving a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify and Stitcher. If you want to tell us what about the podcast moments have felt impactful or what topics that you would like us to explore, you can share that with us by emailing us or sending us a voice memo at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com or you can share a recording and we can put it on our show if you call us at 201-870-0063. You can also engage with us and find photos of us in all of our pride and colorful glory on Instagram or Facebook at WeAreCuriousFoxes.com. And while you're there, click on the blue follow button so that you can stay connected and join in on the curiosity. And finally, for the extra curious among us, join our Patreon, become a supporter of the Curious Fox community, and get access to more, to podcast extras, to interview questions for guests to extra special moments and even events just for you. We have posted some interviews recently and some other bonus content. And so go onto Patreon and find it. And while you are there, you can find and access every single video recording of every workshop that we did, both live and via Zoom. So if you want to go down a rabbit hole of curiosity, explore all of the workshops that we've done, introduce yourself to all of our
0: educators, then go onto Patreon. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who we wish we could bring around with us on all our dates to edit our awkward moments. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha. We are so grateful for their work. And we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious.
2: Stay curious. Stay curious.
0: Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.
2: curious.